everybody. Welcome to our Asia PMO podcast, Transform Your Business. My name is Karsten Lay. I'm the co-founder of Asia PMO. And we have today an amazing guest, which was my previous mentor on our Odyssey top company training program, Robin Speckeland. He is an amazing veteran and specialist in strategy and digital transformation. Hello, Robin. You know, Carson, that's the first time I've been introduced as a veteran. I don't know if that's a compliment or the lack of air. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Please introduce yourself, Robin. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm a specialist in strategy and digital implementation, and I live in Singapore, where I've been for almost 30 years. And I came here in the early 90s when it was still very much an emerging market and not even yet recognized as a developed economy. And I was working with Citigroup as a regional VP for Asia Pacific. And in 2000, I walked away from the bank despite many people saying to me, are you nuts? You're, you're such a young regional VP, so much opportunity. Uh, I love banking, but my passion is strategy implementation. And at that time, 21 years ago, almost everyone taught strategy and hardly anyone was looking at implementation. So I started the first of three companies, which was Bridges. And that our first client was Singapore Airlines, who we had the pleasure of working with for a couple of years, rolling out their global strategy. And during that time, for the first few years, Carson, I was just banging the drums here in Asia and especially you know, around the world, that it's great to have a strategy, but you also need to implement it. Yeah, when you, when you say banging the drums, that's interesting because I want to go into this Asian drumming group, right? <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I came to Asia too. But I understand what you mean by banging well, the drums. You, you can also <laughs> say I was standing on my soapbox and speaker's corner shouting out. I, I just, yeah. you know, we, we had to get the spotlight on implementation. So you, you, were, you were the guy who is standing in front of a dragon boat, right? Thank you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a battle, it was a challenge, and eventually it started to become its own field. Fast forward, and the work I've been doing in 2014 was a pivotal year because I had the pleasure of working with the world's largest luxury company and the world's best bank. And both of them, were early adopters into digital transformation. And I immediately saw there was a big significant difference between implementing digital and implementing previous strategies. And that has led me over the last seven years to really focus on what it takes to succeed in digital transformation. I've started two other companies, the Strategy Implementation Institute, for online learning in implementation, and also the digital leadership specialists, which we have a model that we developed from research back in 2018-19. So very fast growth, it, it goes so quickly, it's been wonderful. Uh, originally from the land of whiskey and golf, uh, which is Scotland, and lived and worked in New York, London, Hong Kong, uh, Sydney, before settling down here in Singapore. So you are a living transformation yourself, going through all of the <laughs> stages. And of course, digital, we all got digital the last 20 years, I guess. Yeah, very and, much. And 
Amazing background. Thank you for the introduction. So what are the main challenges in digital transformation and implementation from an organizational perspective you see? Well, those are two separate questions. Mm -hmm. So let me take implementation first. So the biggest challenge we have in implementation is strategy is about making the right choices. So you've chosen to run your company and be founded out of Vietnam. You run it in Southeast Asia. That's a strategic choice for you. The implementation is strategy is the right choices. Then implementation is all about the right actions. Now we're all busy every day. You know, we now know from research the last 12, 18 months, we do more meetings in a week, not less because of the pandemic. So, but the question is, are you doing the right actions that are contributing not just to the operational, but the long-term focus of the organization? So the first part was getting an, under people understanding that they have to change the way people are acting. And then we look at what's involved in that. So a couple of key things are that leaders, you know, they, they set the organization up and then as they lead, they now move from a role of command and control in implementation to one of guiding and coaching, which is very much the shift in leadership in our 21st century. Why do I take implementation first? Because when you look at digital transformation, there are two sides to it. The technical side, I call it, you know, T squared. You've got the technology which makes up the digital and it's coming to an understanding which is the right technology for your organization? Where is your capex, your capital expenditure going? Where are you investing that's going to provide the best customer experience? So as you look at AI, blockchain, data analytics, as you start to use different tools and different uh, technologies, this is where a lot of your initial investment comes, but it's very much focused around the technology and then increasing your cadence by using Agile and DevOps. On the other side is the transformation. And that falls into very much the implementation side of the business. And Carson, I'll give you an example. One of the questions I ask leaders when I'm remotely or, or uh, presenting in person these days is, what is digital transformation and why is it failing? And almost all the time they will answer on the implementation side, the transformation side. Very few recognize the digital challenge. So we still got massive learning and improvements to make on that side. So you said it's about the choices, right? It's the choices on the action. Now we have a lot of choices on the tools. Yeah, I come off from a CX side, so I'm not so impressed with AI yet as a user, especially every time I book on booking.com in a location, two weeks later, I get recommendation in the same location, which is a little bit strange because I will not go to the same location. You're right. I mean, maybe it's even not AI what I say, but you, you get yeah. me right. As a user, yeah. um, I buy something on Lazada and the same product pops up again and again. And it was a phone. I will not buy within two weeks and have a phone. Right. So. Yeah, but hang on. Aren't you ex Lazada? I'm ex Lazada, yeah. but it was just it was just an example, right? Got, you have to get in touch with your own yeah. contacts, right? should, your own I colleagues. Should. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Um, so I think 
the digital side can be still very overwhelming, right? There's a lot to do. I mean, AI, chatbot, whatever. We are living in Vietnam. That's where chatbots is still not so common. Singapore is on a different level, customer mm. side. So there are a lot of choices to do on the digital side. And then you say it can breaks down in the implementation side, which is more probably an agile internal issue because you don't develop fast enough. You don't get the results done. You don't get the sprint cycles done. Or is it also because of the customer adaptation where the implementation fails? No, great question, Carsten. Thank you. So let me step back because in 2018, 2019, we interviewed 1,847 leaders across North America, Europe, and Asia. So able to give you from our research at the white paper we published, as well as our more current research from 2020 under my other company, Bridges, we found top three reasons why digital transformation fails. The first one is that, as you've been saying, it's not about tweaking, putting in a chat box or updating your app. It's a whole business model transformation. And recognizing that every part of the organization has to be aligned and driving towards this transformation, it sounds obvious, but we work with companies on, in Africa, in Europe, in the US, who are still struggling because they don't have a unifying, not uniform, but unifying purpose. So one of the, the examples uh, I'll, I'll give you early on, I know you're going to ask me about the book as well, is DBS came up with one of the best digital purposes that aligned the whole organization. They identified that nobody wakes up in the morning to do their banking. And at the time, you know, seven years ago, banking was painful. You had to get in your car, drive down to your branch, find a parking space, walk in, find the right form to fill in, stand in a line. And that was just to get to speak to somebody from the bank. Of course, today we do it on our app. So making banking joyful became their digital purpose that moved them to be the world's best bank. It aligned and drove them. So the first of the three reasons is recognizing it's your whole organization. And in the bank, it wasn't just the front, the, the service, or even the operation. You know, problems were solved by legal and compliance. And HR were one of the first to adopt and bring in their own people um, to do their coding. Um, audit were the first team to, one of the first teams to adopt Agile. So it happens across the organization. The second key thing I'll emphasize is that it's the culture. We go from cubicles to agile and you, you I know practice yourself and help people with scrums and using agile. And it's critical that the culture changes. We've got to blow up the bureaucracy. You can't go on a hackathon and then have to run around the company getting approval from people, sign off and asking for budgets. So very much the culture has to change. And the third one is the leadership mindset. Leaders have to let go that the old way of running a company. And the way I describe this is they have to humble themselves. They go into meetings now, not as the first person to talk, but the last, why? Because digital transformation happens at the ground. It's the employees in the hackathons, in the customer journey mapping, in the design thinking. 
And the leaders are now going to find out what's happening in the organization. And the second reason they have to humble themselves is, you know, for our generation, we weren't taught digital transformation when we did our master's or our business degree. It wasn't part of the agenda. So, you know, none of us learned about AI and coding and other aspects, machine learning. So many of us have to go back to school and be recognized there are experts in the business who know more than we do. And we're no longer the most knowledgeable person in the room. Yeah, and coming back to that, none of us had an iPad in kindergarten, right? Absolutely, it's, it's well it's, it's also an int intuitive learning what the kids have nowadays, right? Or the generation set, right? To grow up with all these tools uh, naturally, yeah? And um, what you mentioned is very important. Do people enjoy banking? Yeah, the answer is often no. And when we do customer experience consulting, people always ask why a banking NPS and that promoter score is not on the level of airlines and hotels. Because of course you rate the experience. How do you like to do that or not, right? And yes. going to the dentist can never have a high satisfaction rate like, uh, like booking a, a night in a nice hotel weekend somewhere because you don't do that. Right. But of well, course, you can make it enjoyable. And I think this purpose is fantastic from DPS. Yeah. That you really have to have an enjoyable banking experience. Yes. Yeah. And you already talked about DPS on how they started. And I was very surprised that they started with not so obvious teams like audit and HR. So was that not a challenge there to say, I mean, these are not the most agile teams and they're not the most adapted teams. Or what were the main challenges there in the DBS example? So uh, let me share with the challenge in a moment, but I have to pick up on one thing you just talked about. It's ironic that you bring in the dentist as an equivalent because it was actually a Time Magazine survey in 2014 that said people prefer going to the dentist to have root canal than visiting their local branch. Yes. <laughs> and that was actually one of the documents the leaders were reading at the time that said, banking is painful, more painful than the dentist. Yes. Um, so what were the challenges for the bank back in the time? Well, of course, seven years in digital transformation is a lifetime. So they very much changed. But for any organization, so let me fast forward to any company today, your initial investment is obviously building that core architectural platform. You've got to have in place your private and public cloud. You've got to have your cadence. You've got to have that data available to everyone across the organization. Today, it's data that makes the difference. It's combining the data with that intuition and the companies who are doing that, and you just have to look at any top 10 list of companies in any country, you'll see the ones who are leveraging data are the ones who are winning in today's business. So the first one is building that archite the architecture around your technology and using tools such as agile, DevOps, removing toil, increasing cadence, you know, moving to cloud. The second key area is the wonderful thing I love about digital transformation is for years I've worked with clients who say, we want to be number one in customer service. And they send their people on training or they put in some half-hearted attempts. Now, using the tools we have available, we can truly become customer obsessed. What's the difference? 
The difference is we start using customer journey mapping, pain point analysis. We start tracking every single part of the customer journey. And if we take DBS as an example, you know, I have a picture which I, you know, which I show when I present, which just shows a massive room full of screens tracking customer journeys. The bank knows that the customer is going to have a problem before the customer even knows they're going to have a problem. So we're using the tools today with design thinking and other methodologies to truly go out and visit our customer, not just assume what they need. And that's a critical difference. And then the third area goes back to why we are struggling so much, which is looking at your culture, creating the learning organization, becoming a data first culture, having an environment that encourages teams to come together. And let me just close out on the answer by saying all of this is comes together by having that unifying digital purpose. So one quick example is a story one of the clients in South Africa, when I first spoke to them, they couldn't get their customer journey mapping to succeed. And to cut a story short, what the problem was, every department had a different goal and a different measure. So when they came to the mapping, everyone had their own agenda. And because they weren't unified and aligned in their approach, they were failing. And that's... That's, that's great. I mean, that's where I come also to the next level because we see a lot of companies where they say, of course, on top level, we want to have a digital transformation. We want to have a cultural transformation, right? And of course, a young workforce now is very open on that. And they want what we had a quick chat before our call. They want things like OKRs. They want a results-driven and purpose-driven work environment, not KPIs where they just set every day you know, today you do that, tomorrow do you that, and we don't know why, right? Yes. But still, and you also mentioned that we want to come together under the purpose. That means we want to have less silos from our perspective in the teams. So how do you make that happens with the teams? I mean, where do you go then on the team level and say, how do we implement it? I think you also worked at DBS because this was a question the leaders asked themselves. So it's an excellent question. Okay. So DBS decided that to accelerate their transformation, they wanted to benchmark against the best. And banks have fallen, you know, that, we'd fallen behind what was happening. You know, we were data-driven organizations, but the tech companies had leapfrogged over us. So the leaders in DBS went over to the, the leading tech companies and studied and learned from them. So for example, a big challenge was how did they get decisions made like techies, not like bankers? Because we're all tech-driven companies today. It's a universal statement. Mm -hmm. So how, I mean, you can come up with policies and procedures, but the reason the bank was so successful in not just digitalizing itself, but revolutionizing its industry is because they did it so smartly. They overcame many of the challenges that other companies are still struggling with. So I'll share how they did it. They used an expression called, what would Jeff do? Jeff is Jeff Bezos from Amazon, who's known for being customer obsessed. 
And they got their bankers to think like techies by answering it as if they were working as Jeff Bezos. But a statement, a question on its own is not enough. So they also visited and from the best practices from all the tech companies, they created the mnemonic Gandalf. So Google, Amazon, Netflix, in the middle is DBS, LinkedIn, um, and Facebook. So Gandalf, and Gandalf is of course from Tolkien, the wizard, that gave it an inspirational feeling of the best practices. And even to support that, they also had then the five stages of their whole transformation within the technology that they went through. So they used different techniques and models that brought it alive and made it exciting for employees to become engaged in it. And I mean, what I, what I like, and that's amazing that they benchmark outside their industry. I think that's, that's also a shift we see the last 10, 15 years that we can more and more companies say, okay, we don't want to be a bank. We don't want to be like the dentist. We want to be like Amazon. You're not saying you want to be like another bank. Yeah. And I don't I know anyone who said we want to be like a dentist yet. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> Depends on the dentist. I couldn't <laughs> let that one go. <laughs> okay. Let, let that one go. Yeah. We won't cut it out. Don't worry. <laughs> Good one. Okay. No, but it's, it's great that they benchmark outside and they look more on role models who, who, who are value driven, who say you have the customer experience value or who have the value to translate tech to the people and not only in the own sector. Right? Because if I can add on to that, it wasn't just that they benchmarked, it was how they translated it into the business to make it come alive to make it exciting for everyone that then aligned everyone towards their purpose of making banking joyful. That was what was significant that I highlight in the book, The World's Best Bank. So that you mean they, they have then, in order to, to bring that alive, they build experiences like Amazon and Facebook internally, externally. They measure on, on similar things, like on similar uh, customer sector. That's, that's how you mean how to bring it alive? Or? Yeah, so they, they shifted their corporate scorecard. So the CEO, a gentleman called Piyush Gupta, he introduced that 20% of the scorecard was dedicated to making banking joyful. So that it was tracked. But let's, you know, on the more emotional side, there was a lovely story last year during the lockdown that many of the workers in Singapore have come from overseas and are working in dormitories. And for them, their, their habit was when they got paid, they would go to transfer the money physically. So they would collect their cash and physically hand it over and transfer the cash back to their families. And the families needed that money you know, it was their food, their, their, their living money. Suddenly you're in lockdown. Not only can they not collect their salary, they can't go out to the counters to, to send the money back. The government in Singapore approached DBS and together they opened 40,000 accounts. And here's what was remarkable over the weekend. Wow. So... Mm -hmm. What, how they were able to do it because the ministry had a uh, open API with the bank. So the bank was able, in banking, we call it KYC, know your customer. Mm -hmm. They were able to fill in all the requirements. And on Monday morning, 
not only did the worker receive an app on their phone that they could open and use, it was also in five different languages in case they had issues with English or, you know, that it was a language that suited the majority of them. And it was very easy in just a couple of steps for them to learn how to use the app to then send money. Now, the, no disrespect, but this segment of the market had not previously been a focus for the bank. But, you know, as Pierce, the CEO said, it was all about the last mile. It was about supporting the community, people in need and doing what we could do to help. So the technology, you know, there is some wonderful impact and positive sites it's having for us. And many of these types of stories are what I share in the book. And, and this is amazing because you have a very fast customer centric rollout, right? I mean, you are fully, you do it for the customer. There was nothing about margins and strategical thinking of the bank because you do it for the society. Do you do it for you the customer? You do it because it's right. Yeah. Yeah. And the fast, bank, yeah. sorry, please go on. And internally you have the effect that you can, that you can steer a bride of the people working for the bank, right? They said, we are not a bank who just make corporation rich or transfer money in and out of Singapore. Sorry to say that, but it's my impression sometimes, right? No, we are a bank who does something for the society and helps people directly and make things happen. And that's the internal culture, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the, I was just about to publish the book a year ago when PUC the CEO called me up and he said, hang on, Robin, I want you to add in not only a chapter on sustainability, but also on how we've responded to the pandemic. So I highlighted all the wonderful steps they took in support and not just DBA, obviously other banks, other countries did it as well, but they had, and since 2019, since they launched their sustainability wave, as they call it, they understand, you know, as many of us are today, it's not about shareholder value, but stakeholder value in recognizing we have responsibility to the community we work in, to, to families, to employees, as well as to the shareholder. And I, and I think that's a great topic to, to end our podcast. So thank you for that. It's about thank you for the invitation. Yeah, great about, to reconnect. Yeah, it's about digital transformation and implementation, but have, have a purpose behind, right? Yeah. And the purpose. Yeah, and is, yeah. For anyone who's interested, you know, World's Best Bank, they can order the book on e-book, e audio, hardback, paperback. Just, you know, you just Google World's Best Bank, you'll find it easily. Yeah. And as we learned, it's not just a pure banking book. So there's a lot in it. Also, when you have problems with your dentist, also look into <laughs> the book, probably that could also help you. Well, my, my, my subtitle for the book was a strategic guide for digital transformation. Okay. So it's more broader. Yeah. yeah. Great, Robin. Thank, thank you, you so for much. the opportunity. Been and a thank, pleasure. Thank you. And thank you so much, everybody for listening. Have a great day.